What's up, beautiful people? Karibu ni sana kwenye show. I mean, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is The Busy FM. My name is B and I'm your host. And I know I said I'd be back in a week and it's been a month, but I'm here. That's what counts. And I came back with a big ass story about a legendary human being, musician. His name is Fela Anikula Pokuti and he is a multi-instrumentalist, musician, political activist, composer, pioneer of the music genre that is now, that is now Afrobeat. And we know how much Afrobeat has impacted the music industry. Now, now, mm. His rise to fame in the 70s with his band the Africa 70s was popular for singing in Yoruba native tongue and pidgin English. Now let's take it way back to like where he was born, when he was born. So he was born in October 1938, colonial time British colony. His mom was an anti-colonial feminist and his pops was a reverend, a man of the cloth. So they lived above average class living and um, he used to sing in the choir, he used to sing in church. I think that's where the whole basis of the music thing started. And he went to study in London, initially to study for medicine, but he decided to do music at the Trinity College of Music, trumpet being his favorite instrument. And he didn't just play the trumpet, he played the saxophone, the keyboard, the drums, the guitar. Like I said, he was a multi-instrumentalist. Now, in 1963, he decided to move back to the newly independent Federation of Nigeria after marrying his first wife and having his three kids. In between 1963 and 1967, he was playing jazz music. And when it got to 1967, he decided to move to Ghana to look for a new musical direction. And he called it Afrobeat, which in definition was a combination of high life, jazz, funk, salsa, calypso, and traditional Yoruba music. The reason he went with this direction is because this was music that people could relate to. Unlike jazz, which is high-class music, if you ask me. <laughs> so now, in 1969, he took the band to USA, LA, and discovered the Black Power Movement, and this experience heavily influenced his music and political views. And then he renamed the band to the Nigeria 70s. After immigration services were tipped that Fella's band was there without work permits, they were forced to quickly do a recording and then leave the States. Now, in the 1970s, this is when the band rose to fame and he was popular. It was actually popular for singing Yoruba native tongue and pidgin English. So now they're back in Nigeria. He decided to set up a, a nightclub at the Empire Hotel and first named it the Afro Spot and later named it the Africa Shrine, which is right now uh, a huge, huge part of history in Nigeria for music because that's where he he used to do the live shows he used to people used to meet up and like do the music thing together together with a band like the Africa 70s was known was popularly known for the African shrine 
And then he decided to name to change his name to Anikulapo and remove his hyphenated name Ransom, which he thought was a slavery uh, name or a term. And what Anikulapo meant was he who carries death in his pouch, with interpretation that I will be the master of my own destiny and I will decide when it's time for death to take me. These are things that should be put somewhere on a billboard or something. <laughs> it's so, so very smart and well thought out for a person who was living in the 1970s. Huh. So seven years later after colonialism, his music was so popular with the natives and Africa in general because he was singing in pidgin English and the native Yoruba tongue. But his music was not popular with the ruling government because of the obvious and raids were, were done very frequently on the Kalakuta Republic commune. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the TIF with the government and they were the military juntas, the Nigerian military juntas and him being an outspoken critique made him a target. So he founded the Kalakuta Republic Commune which held him, his family, his members and his studio and for some time it had a free clinic. How, was it a hospital or a clinic? Okay, one of the two. And he declared it independent from the state ruled by the military juntas. And of course, this didn't sit well with the military juntas, so they destroyed the republic in a raid. So in 1977, he made an album, Zombie, that criticized the Nigerian soldiers and used zombie as a metaphor to describe the military methods, Nigerian military methods, which were obviously not uh, good. The album was a massive hit and that infuriated the government so much so that they raided the Kalakuta Republic with a thousand soldiers. Okay, let's think about it a little bit. Uh, every time I think about the Nigerian military juntas, I think of GSU or some mili military regime or something like that. So there's trained soldiers and um, there were a thousand soldiers coming to a house, let's say him, his band members, his family, the most they can be is Let's even talk the most, a hundred. So a thousand soldiers raiding the Republic Commune was, it was bad because they were coming to beat them up and, and, and throw them out. So basically they had, they were sitting ducks. There was nothing they could have done. And during the raid, Mr. Kuti was very severely beaten and his elderly, elderly mother was fatally injured after being thrown out of the window. And the commune was burnt down, including his studio instruments, his master tapes. Everything was destroyed in the, in the raid. And he said that he would have been murdered had it not been for uh, the intervention of a commanding officer as he was being beaten. I think even they broke his, 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 his leg or something like that. Yeah, so it was really a bad attack. And the response to the attack was the most interesting bit for me. That's why I called him the OG, OG father, OG, OG daddy. Huh? His response was to deliver his mother's coffin to the Dodan barracks. You imagine going to the Dodan barracks and to the General Olesegun Obasanjo's residence. So this nigga, after being beaten up and almost dying, his mother being murdered, he went with the coffin of his mom to the Dodan barracks to the general of Olesegun Obasanjo's residence to deliver the coffin. You know, you're either, like, you're either so fearless or so dumb. 
I choose I choose to think he was very very infuriated. He was very fearless at that point. He was like, you know what? If we die, we die. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking because this is this is too much balls for one person. He had more than two balls, I guess. So another thing he did is he wrote two songs. One was the coffin of the head of state, and two was the unknown soldier, referencing to the official inquiry that claimed an unknown soldier had destroyed the commune. After that, the band took up residence at the Crossroads Hotel after the shrine was destroyed along with the commune. Alright, so. In 1978, this was a year later, he married 27 women, many of them were dancers, composers and singers with whom he worked with. The marriage served as not only the mark of the anniversary of the attack on the Kalakuti Republic but also to protect Kuti and his wives from the authorities' false claims that Kuti was kidnapping women and then later he adopted a rotation system of maintaining 12 wives. Yes, this nigga married 27 women and I don't think it was just those 27 women he was married to. Because in the beginning, I remember before he moved uh, from London, he had married a wife and had three kids. And I don't know, this this this, this is just oginess <laughs> or dumbness. I don't know. At this point, um, he was doing everything to protect himself from the government, which was his main um, enemy. Um... So then, there was two concerts in the same year. The first one was in Accra, Ghana, where rioting broke out during the song Zombie, which was a song that he used to describe the military methods uh, that the Nigerian juntas were using, which was against humanity, against everything that people stand for. And that led him to being banned from entering Ghana. Being banned entering a country because your, your concert was so huge, um, I don't know. OG moves to me. That's OG moves. And then the second uh, concert was in Berlin. It was a jazz festival, of course, because you know, like I said, he was a multi instrumentalist, and most of the instruments that he was playing was used for jazz music. So most of the uh, musicians deserted him on rumors that he planned to use all the proceeds to fund his presidential campaign. In 1979, he nominated himself for the Nigeria's first elections and his candidature got rejected for obvious reasons. <laughs> In 1983, he was around 45 years of age, he he formed a political party and named it M Movement of the People, MOP, to clean up the nation like a mop. Get it? Like a mop, M-O-P, Movement of the People. So MOP uh, preached Nkrumahism and Africanism. And then came the Egypt 80 band. Egypt 80 band, which reflected that the view of the Egypt civilization knowledge, philosophy and math, religious systems, everything are African and must be claimed as such. So Mr. Kuti continued to make albums and tour the country in the 80s and into 1940, no 1984, he got arrested for amnesty and currency smuggling and human rights groups took up his case and got him released 20 months later. This is like almost two years later. That was eight, 1980 
six-ish, and on his release, he divorced his remaining 12 wives, claiming marriage will bring jealousy and selfishness. At this point, there were rumors that he was sick, he had the disease. At this point, the disease was AIDS, uh, HIV AIDS, and um, yeah, he continued to put out music into the 90s, and then he slowed down uh, due to his illness, and he died of AIDS in 1997. He was an AIDS denialist, but at this point, I think he was just a huge, huge, huge um, person of of interest and. Um, there was a lot of stigma going on. I don't think he would have he would have accepted it, you know. I don't think at that point there was even acceptance for the fact that AIDS was a disease that would had no cure and was killing people and it was transmitted through sexual intercourse at that point. That's what everyone was thinking. So yeah, he dies uh, he died of AIDS in 1997. For me, I would think I would I would like to choose that he he lived a full life. He had such impact in the music industry. And right now, Afrobeat is a huge sensation. I mean, he was a huge sensation, and Afrobeat is still a huge part of the music industry inter- internationally. And although it's, it keeps on evolving, the main, main pioneer will always remain to be Fela Anikulapo Kuti, the big daddy, the father of... Afro beat. So Mr. Felakuti being such a sensation and a trailblazer for Afrobeat, he must have inspired someone, you know? And Bernaboy was only six years old when Felakuti passed away, but that was enough time for him to have been inspired by him. He said that everyone has his hero, but Felakuti was his hero. He loved his uh, philosophy, he loved his music direction, and right now he is the African giant, you know? So, this must have had something to do with Fela Kuti being his inspiration. And right now he has come up with, uh, or he coined the term Afrofusion, which was uh, something that referred to a genre. It was a name that referred to the genre that stitches together Caribbean influences, R&B and pop, all, th- all threaded together by Afro beats. And this was all from from a fella kuti, the OG master daddy sir. Whichever words you want to use to describe his OGness. For me, he I am in such awe, I'm in awe of the work that he did and the time that he was here. To me, he lived a full ass life and I think everyone should live that type of life. Legends want to live like that, yeah? <laughs> so that was my piece on the Afrobeat father, the father of Afrobeat, Fela Anikula Kukuti. And I wish to see you next time. Let's talk about something else or someone else. You just have to come on here and know what we're talking about, what I'm talking about. See you on the next one, guys. Peace out.